Support for this podcast comes from Blackline and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Dell Clark, CFO of Inspirage, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 245. How is a finance leader, are you driving driving change in your organization? How are you driving change within your organization? In this episode, we speak to Ron Knutson, CFO of Lawson Products. Um, Tremendous insight into the business today that we never had before. And in fact, um, we have uh, daily stand-up meetings with our our senior team that that go through uh, basically a daily report card. And yeah, probably a bit embarrassed to say this, but there's 144 individual lines on this report card, and not that we look at every every line every single day, but it provides us with the the visibility, and it and it trends itself out from day to day to day versus goal versus the previous month, where we have a tremendous insight into the organization on a day in and day out basis. And we had a meeting this morning, for example. We can look at yesterday's data. And, and basically um, see the profitability of the organization, but also a lot of the key customer metrics as well. Listen to our complete interview with Ron after these words from our sponsor. Many accounting and finance professionals are facing a sizable obstacle these days. In this age of data enlightenment, their financial close processes leave no time for data analysis, the very activity that opens the door to new opportunities and career advancement. Blackline has the answer. By automating, centralizing, and streamlining financial close operations, Blackline customer organizations are now ready for the data-centric world, allowing their finance and accounting professionals to open the door to new opportunities. To learn more, visit blackline.com forward slash CFO. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. Hello, we're speaking with Ron Knutson, CFO of Lawson Products, an industrial distributor of maintenance and repair products. Prior to Lawson, Ron was CFO of Frozen Food Express Industries, and prior to that, the VP of Finance for Ace Hardware. Ace is the place. Ron, welcome. Thank you, Jack. It's, uh, it's great to be able to spend some time with you today. Yeah, likewise. Your uh, career certainly underscores how a finance career can be horizontal, not necessarily tied to any one vertical. And we'll want to explore with you uh, Lawson Products, which is a NASDAQ company uh, today. Uh, But first, let's begin where we always do and ask you, what were those career milestones you feel helped prepare you for a CFO role? Sure, Jack. I I would say I, I probably had uh, three uh, major milestones throughout my career, and and, I, and I'm probably dating myself a bit here, but I but I started my career with one of the one of the big eight accounting firms, as as many finance professionals do, uh, that being Pete Marwick, or or now today being KPMG, and um, you know that uh, that allowed me to spend. You know, a, a lot of time with varying different types of clients, and and in that role, you know, was able to pick up a lot of responsibility very early in, in my career, and and working with you know clients and working through client relationships, and at the same time, 
um, developing and, and leading um, staff uh, teams, you know, right out of school. So I think that was probably my, my first milestone in, in starting down that path. Um, my second, which was a, a little unusual probably for many in, in, in the finance area, was that after, after quite a few years with, uh, with Pete Marwick, I decided to leave there and, and joined a um, pretty small um, electrical contracting firm as an equity owner um, and as their CFO. And this brought on a whole new level of, of challenges for me, um, going through that transition and um, had a pretty small staff, um, you know, fully responsible for the cash flow of the organization, you know, how to meet payroll every week, you know, and truly gained an, you know, an appreciation for what it took to run a company and, and quickly came to the realization that, that uh, finance is an enabler and that, um, you know, many times when you're in the finance role, um, you especially in your earlier career, you don't think so much about cash flow of an organization, but um, it, it certainly was uh, a main focus with, with a smaller type of an organization. Um, I then found my way kind of back into the, the larger corporate arena, and I'd say my third milestone was becoming a, a public company CFO, uh, which I uh, first took on that role at Frozen Food Express, and then um, certainly had that role here at Lawson Products, which really allowed me to, to gain some great insight, you know, on on Wall Street, the investor relationship side, investor relations side, um, how to work with analysts, uh, going out and doing non-deal roadshows, and and so forth. So, um, you know, all of those three, I think, on a on a combined basis, really um, positioned me me well to. Uh, uh, you know, to be to be a CFO of a public company. When you land at Lawson, again, you've had uh, prior CFO experience. You've been a finance leader a number of times before. What is it that you want to accomplish now? What is it that's going to give you satisfaction as you create this role there? Sure. So. You know, when I, when I, when I landed at, at, at Lawson, the organization was, uh, really on, on the cusp of, of uh, making a, a lot of what I would call transformational changes, uh, throughout the organization. And, and, you know, maybe we'll have a chance to talk about that. But, um, you know, what I, what I really wanted to, to create was, was not so much a role for me personally, but really create a role for the finance department. Um, and really take it from an organ, take it from a, a department, uh, from one which was probably a lot more compliance-based to one that could be much more of an enabler to help other areas of the organization uh, to, to meet their objectives, um, and, and also to help them in their in their decision making. And um, you know, one thing that I've always tried to um, help coach and, and lead my team on is that. You know, finance really needs to understand the business. And um, first of all, it makes it makes our job a whole lot easier if you if you understand what's going on throughout the organization. And and there's many times, you know, I'll be with my finance team whether or not we're going through, you know, a month end close or we're in the process of, you know, of some SEC filings and 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 I'll be asking a lot of questions about well, you know, based upon what other areas of the organization are doing, you know, where, where are those results coming through the financials? 
And many times my team is, is asking me, well, you know, how do you, how do you understand the business and, and how do you stay, um, you know, how do you stay connected into the organization so well? Um, and to me, it's about, it's, it's about engagement. Um, and, you know, we have to understand the priorities of the organization. Um, and, um, and our, and our finance team works very, very closely with, you know, with the entire organization, whether or not it's our distribution centers or our HR teams or our marketing teams to really understand their priorities and, and, and help them um, and also be there as a, as a bit of a, of a coach or, or a sounding board where they can help, you know, the other areas of the company, you know, make the best uh, business decision. Is there a specific step that you took? Again, you, you arrive there and you have this, you know, compliance-minded uh, team, probably, uh, you know, very uh, finely tuned perhaps, but at the same time not necessarily partnering with the business. Was there any directive that you gave or did you reorganize finance in some way? Well, um, first of all, let me, let me say um, that I'm, I'm blessed with a, with a great team, um, you know, very low turnover um, in an environment that uh, works well with, with departments across the organization and, and a team that, that takes, you know, complete ownership. Um, you know, part of it, um, you know, part of that change or that mindset change was, was again, you know, helping them get engaged in the business. And, and for, for example, um, we established a business analytics uh, department, um, you know, relatively, you know, small department, um, but they do a lot of the data mining and, and have the ability to look at, um, you know, trends and um, exception reporting that, Typically, many times the, the, the you know either others in, in finance or or the business individuals just don't have either the time or or the opportunity to, to take a look at. Um, you know, a few other things that we did was um, we, we highly encourage our, our finance team to spend time physically within our distribution centers um, and spend days with our sales team as well. So we as a as a senior team we. We spend um, at least one day out of the month um, riding with one of our sales reps and, and understanding what it takes to um, to support the customer and what it takes you know to get the sale and, and also um, some of the challenges that our that our teams run into, which which we fully believe will will help us make make better decisions to to enable our our sales team and our distribution teams to be effective. So. You know, part of it was um, getting them, you know, out into the business um, and and just seeing um, and observing, you know, what transpires on a on a day in and day out basis. Now, just regarding the uh, data analytics, was that part of finance or was this a <clears throat> a unit that was uh, out of IT or where was that organizationally? Well, um, organizationally, it, it did not it did not exist. Prior to me joining the the organization, and and so when we when we established the, the department, we did we did take a couple of individuals elsewhere in the organization um, and put them in that department. And um, and the, report, the department does report directly to to finance. 
and really allows, uh, you know, but they have full, but the full organization has full access to them. So, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a dotted line to everybody else in the organization because they're, they're really there to support the business. And, you know, whether or not it's um, what's happening with our customer churn, whether or not it's, you know, what's happening with our sales rep productivity metrics, whether or not it is, um, looking at what we call bins and cabinets, basically the real estate that we go after within some of our customer locations and analyzing the return on those investments. So the, the full organization has access to, to these individuals. Um, so it, it's a bit challenging. Um, they are in hot, very high demand, um, and uh, it, it's a bit challenging making sure that we set the priorities uh, correctly so that we can uh, – really go after um, those areas that, that provide the most benefit and the most support uh, throughout the company. Is there like a regular uh, material or something that uh, comes out monthly or quarterly that uh, their contribution is most visible? It, there is, and, and I would say um, some of the, what, what happens generally with, with this group is a lot of times they will be um, – on the front end of developing what those metrics should be, and then we will turn that reporting over to our, our um, over to our IT group, which then will um, create the information and, and publish it on a more routine type of basis. So, so we we have um, in, in one example of, of where we've done that is, and we and we made a, a shift over to a new ERP system about five years ago. And um, tremendous insight into the business today that we never had before. And in fact, um, we have uh, daily stand-up meetings with our with our senior team that that go through uh, basically a daily report card. And you know, probably a bit embarrassed to say this, but there's 144 individual lines on this report card. And not that we look at every every line every single day. But it provides us with the the visibility, and it and it trends itself out from day to day to day versus goal versus the previous month, where we have a tremendous insight into the organization on a day in and day out basis, and, and really have what I would call almost a a daily P and L um, or a daily income statement. You know, all we would have to do is allocate some of our G and A costs. And we can look at the information. We had a meeting this morning, for example. We can look at yesterday's data and, and basically um, see, you know, say, I mean, basically a, profits, a profitability of the organization, but also a lot of the key customer metrics as well. It's not just all about whether or not we made money yesterday, but we also measure um, productivity measurements within our distribution center and then our, our key customer metrics as well. We want to find out more about the metrics that uh, you're paying close attention to today. But first, let's find out more about Lawson products and what is the uh, competitive landscape out there and what is its competitive edge? What's Lawson's competitive edge today? Sure, Jack. So, um, first of all, I, w I would say that the industry that, that we operate in is it's a large industry estimated between 150 to 175 billion. 
Um, but at the same time, it's a, it's a very fragmented industry. We, Lawson Products operates in what I would call a, a subset of that that really provides maintenance, repair, and operating products to or what I would say is consumable products um, and service to our customers. And, and what I mean by consumable is that um, what, what happens is we provide products to our customers that they will use on a day-in and day-out basis. So we're not providing items like, you know, ladders or motors or, you know, generators, things that, you know, may be more capital in nature. What we're selling through 12 product categories typically are the nuts and bolts and fasteners and, and chemical products and safety products that typically get absorbed um, through our, our customers' just normal production cycle or their normal, um, um, you know, uptime in and, you know, running their business, whether or not it's a fleet of, of trucks or whether or not it's, a, it's an industrial manufacturer. Um, and really what, what, our, what our competitive advantage is, what we really get paid for is our service to our customers. So, so we provide the vendor-managed inventory or what we like to call Lawson-managed inventory. And we have approximately about a 1,000 sales reps that will go into a customer's location. Um, they will first put product away that, that they ordered previously for that customer um, into what we call bins and cabinets. So we keep their, their you know, shop solutions area very organized. Um, so they'll put the product away. They will perform an informal inventory and then resubmit an order um, that then we fill out of our distribution network and, and send straight to the customer. And the next week, the sales rep will show up and go through that same process. So, so we provide, um, you know, that inventory to make sure that the customer's um, process, whatever it may be, um, that they have the appropriate um, materials to, again, either keep their conveyoring system up and running or to keep their trucks out on the road. Um, but at the same time, we're also providing what I would say is, is a high technical service um, as to as questions come up from our customers regarding application of certain types of products. And I would also say complemented by the fact that, that about 60% of our products are private label products. And when you generally think of private label products, you normally think about um, the, probably the discount value, ours is just the opposite of that. So ours, ours is really at the best level of the good, better, best hierarchy. Um, and we have some great demos that, um, that we're able to show our customers that, that, uh, that, that really prove out that we may not be the lowest price on an individual skew by skew. However, we are the lowest cost when our customers take into account um, labor savings and uptime and, and ability to keep their equipment productive. Okay, so what are the metrics that you rely on to reveal how Lawson's performing? Sure. So we, we have, as I mentioned, we have a you know this daily report card that, that provides upwards of you know 140 individual metrics. But I, but I'd say that there's there's four or five that that I really focus on. 
And these I we look at as a senior team, we're all looking at these at probably 5 a.m. every morning. Um, the, the first I would say is what our order completeness rate is. And, and what that is is from the orders that are provided, um, you know, either coming through our sales reps or from our customers, how much of that order can be filled complete out of our nearest distribution center to that customer? We have, we currently have five distribution centers in North America. Um, and that's a pass-fail grade. So if an order comes in with 10 vines and we can only fill nine of the 10, we get 0% credit for that. Um, and that order completeness rate is, is critical to Lawson as well as the customer because that typically means that the customer will receive one box versus possibly two boxes if we need to pull some product in out of another distribution center. But and also a customer will receive, you know, one invoice, one packing list and so forth. So it just makes it makes Lawson a lot easier to do business with, you know, combined with the fact that um, it's less expensive from a freight perspective. Um, a couple of the other metrics I would comment on is our line service level, meaning that out of those orders that are placed by our customers, what percentage of the lines can we fill out of our entire distribution network? Unlike the order completeness rate, which, which measures just out of the home distribution center, the line service uh, level takes into account the entire network that we have, and currently we're operating in excess of 99% of product being filled out of out of one of our distribution centers. Um, certainly customer back orders, I would say, is a, is a third metric that we measure every single day. Um, and that's, you know, that's one of those metrics that um, if you're not real careful around managing inventory and having the right level of inventory, that, that it, can, it can jump up on you, in particular as you roll out promotions to your customers. Um, but our back order um, level has come down as well to you know almost record levels, um, just by the fact that we're in a position today where we're managing our inventory much clo much closer and have much better insight into uh, forecasted demand, and then certainly customer churn. So we um, you know we pay attention to. Um, retention levels for our customers, growth of existing customers, and also um, you know any type of, of lost customer, and and you know and why we lose customers as well. So th those are those are metrics that we you know we look at every day from an operating standpoint. And then there's as you can imagine there's there's quite a few metrics on the finance piece that um, but those are those are generally the you know the three or four that we're looking at on the operating side of the business. Does the analytics team have any uh, involvement in these customer success metrics, and, and um, is there a application there involved? You know, um, most of these metrics have have gotten to the point that they're they're fairly routine type of metrics that we can measure. So many times the the analytics department gets involved in kind of the, the what if questions. Um, so I mean, they do get involved in looking at you know, how far do we want to take that order completeness rate relative to, you know, we could get that number up to 100%, but at the same time, what does that mean for us to have to support from an inventory perspective? And, and at some point, there's a diminishing return. So the business analytics department will get involved in those more kind of ad hoc, you know, what if type of questions. You know, what if we want to get that, that, 
order completeness rate from 85% to 90%, what do we think the impact will be um, from a positive lift from a customer standpoint, sales perspective, but also what's the potential inventory that we need in order to support that? And the analytics department would, would get involved um, certainly with our inventory um, and, and our product management teams to, you know, to help them through that assessment. Okay. Well, we always ask for what we call an aha moment or a finance strategic moment, which is really just a, a moment of strategic insight that you may have had along the way in your finance career. What might that have been? Yeah, I, I would uh, I would almost phrase this as a almost a, a cautionary moment. And um, when I, I mentioned earlier when I joined the organization that the company had a lot of initiatives going on at the same time, all the way from an ERP implementation to consolidating um, some of our distribution centers to converting our independent sales agents to becoming employees to rolling out a new website and, and also taking some costs out of the organization. So as you can imagine, a, a lot of change going on, you know, within the organization. And, and I think the, I think kind of the aha moment for me was that, um, you know, working through that much change um, in an organization within a pretty condensed time frame, um, is is really a, a is a real culture shift or, or requires a real culture shift for the organization and um, and probably looking back um, you know we may have taken on too much all at once um, and um, you know you have to really focus on that and, and communicate what the priorities are, are of the organization so that you don't overload or have so much change going on at the same time that the organization just cannot absorb it. And um, so I think, you know, everybody's anxious for, for introduction of new projects and, and products, um, but, but learning um, how to manage that change throughout an organization, um, we, we now go through a planning process that did not exist, you know, prior to my arrival that, um, we we develop what's called a plan on a page, and and it sounds kind of simple, but but um, it, you know it takes a lot of thought to develop it. And what we do is we outline what the key strategic initiatives are for the entire organization. So if you went to anybody in the organization and said, what are the four things that Lawson Products is focused on in 2017? You know, everybody should be able to answer that. And then within that, you know, what are the what are the key tactics that are driving um, each one of those initiatives. And, and this is something that we um, make visible throughout the entire organization, that the plan on the page that is, and, and also um, spend quite a bit of time in our quarterly town hall meetings with our employees going through um, where we are relative to the initiatives and where we are relative to the tactics. And, and, and quite frankly, it's one of those things where we say, okay, well, if, if what you're doing on a daily basis does not does not support, you know, these initiatives, then you know we have to ask the question: Why are we performing that? What, why are we, you know, why are we spending spending time on on you know an initiative that maybe you know falls outside of, of plan on a page? So, um, I think it really helps get the entire organization moving in the same direction. 
um, and everybody kind of knows their role relative to what, what, which one of the key initiatives or multiple initiatives are, are they supporting through, through their key tactical work. We'd love to talk to you about the, uh, the talent economy and how uh, finance may be setting priorities uh, for the organization's workforce today. What would you share with us? So what I would, what I would first comment on is, is the growth from a workforce that, that we've gone through as, as an organization, um, and primarily within our, within our sales organization. We, today we have a little over a thousand sales reps um, that are out service, servicing our customers. Three years ago, that number was about 750 um, sales reps. So we, so we've grown purposefully. We've grown that. It's really one, a, a key leg of our growth strategy. About 35% in about three years. And, and as you can imagine, what, what comes along with that is, is, you know, the hiring process, the identification of candidates, the onboarding process, you know, making sure that those, um, new sales reps can be successful as well. And our, and our, and our finance team is, is pretty heavily involved in that process and, and certainly our business analytics team as well. Um, not just measuring, you know, what, what are their sales performance, but also helping our, our sales team and our, our sales leadership team and our, and our HR group really identify what are the activities that, that we feel that a new sales rep should be performing that ultimately will make them successful. And, um, through our, our business analytics team, we were able to develop uh, not only reporting that we provide out to our, our sales team, but also um, initiatives around um, specific activities, whether or not that means how many new account calls should be made within a certain week or how many um, LP drawers um, should be sold for, you know, to, for us to gain repeat business. Um, and to allow, um, you know, those activities that we feel ultimately will drive success for our sales reps and drive success for, um, for uh, total sales for the organization. But the other piece I would say that, that, that finance has been pretty heavily involved in relative to, to the sales organization and the growth of that is, how do you, how do you performance management, uh, manage, um, individuals when you have that many individuals coming on um, and they are you know located you know throughout the, the entire North America so so managing those individuals you know a lot of what they do is they're out by themselves and so our business analytics team again working in conjunction with our HR team and our and our sales team created a, a performance management scorecard that, that now gets distributed out to our sales team which allows our sales leaders to to coach um, and help develop our, our sales our newly um, hired sales reps. So um, so a lot going on within Lawson Products, you know, relative to the overall workforce. Um, I, I think um, generally, you know, outside the the sales organization, um, you know, we we continue to measure you know turnover and and talent management and so forth, you know, within individual areas. But probably the biggest focus over the past few years, and it's not just within finance, really, I would say within the entire organization is how do we 
identify, hire, onboard, train, and and allow our our newly hired sales reps to be uh, to be productive uh, as quickly as possible. A lot of our finance leaders would tell us, uh, you know, that culture plays such an important role here, and. Uh, Curious what your thoughts might be on that. And does finance have a, a, a part, play a part in shaping culture? Yes, I, I certainly believe that, that finance uh, plays, plays a role in that. And it, as, as an organization, um, Lawson was founded in, in the early 1950s. So, so an organization that has been around for a long time, and, and history is something that we're very proud of within the organization. And, um, you know, not only from the values instilled from our original founder, um, but also how we, how we carry those values forward. And as we think about, you know, our core values being teamwork, results driven, integrity, and being progressive, um, certainly, you know, finance plays a role in, in all of those areas. Um, you know, the, the, the other piece that, that, you know, we've moved to is, um, and we do this annually, is, is an employee engagement survey um, where we go out to all of our employees, um, sales reps, individuals within our distribution centers, our corporate team, and so forth, and have them fill out an engagement survey. And um, we're just getting the results back for uh, the survey we did earlier this year. And what we do is then we, we take that input that we receive from our employees and we and we break it down by functional areas. So, for example, within finance, there's areas that, you know, we're either, you know, measured ahead or behind the rest of the loss and employees and as well as maybe as well as some benchmarking information that we have available to us. So it allows us to um, to really help on the engagement side to say, well if there's a certain area that we've moved backwards here in a little bit, you know, in one or two areas this year, um, what can we do to help move that forward? And and I think that goes a long way um, to helping develop a real positive culture. And, and transparency is extremely important for us as well as an organization. So the, the plan on the page that I mentioned previously, we have a, a, a pretty high-level scorecard that we, that we provide out to our to our to everybody on our team um, through our our Lawson portal, um, as well as um, you know just um, hard copies throughout the building, which allows individuals to see how we're performing against those key metrics. So. Transparency, transparency is, is, is very important for us, and, and we want um, certainly the entire employee team to, uh, to understand where we're going as a business and, and um, where we've been successful. Okay. We now enter our mentoring round where we'll ask you several quick questions to inspire and mentor aspiring finance leaders. What's one thing that's exciting you about finance and business today? Well, first of all, I, I would say my team is, is what's exciting me. Um, they, they continue to get um, more involved in the business, and I, and I think that that's critical. Um, and, and I think that you, you will see that probably within a lot of organizations is, is finance is taking an expanded role, um, which uh, I, I think can help organizations be much more successful. And then certainly the use of, of data in our business analytics group and in, in helping uh, make decisions, you know, the 
sometimes the easy part is getting to the data. The tough part sometimes is uh, is embracing a change and, and accepting what the data is telling you. But I think those two areas probably are what's most exciting for me. What do you wish someone had told you at the start of your CFO career? Yeah, prob- there's probably probably quite a few points here, but. Um, Maybe, maybe first of all, is it, it's not just all about the numbers. Um, and I know that's sometimes difficult as a as a CFO to say, but um, you know, invest in your people, build out a great team, um, become engaged in the business. You know, today there's so much blocking and tackling, especially with a public company that that in all in all in all companies that has to be done, whether or not it's account recs and tax returns and applying cash and SEC reporting and Sarbanes-Oxley. Um, but, but where it really gets exciting, I think, for, for most, of the, most of the team is getting engaged in the business um, and, and helping lead that business. Um, change, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, change is, not, uh, change is not always easy. It's actually more difficult than what you think. Um, and communication is key in that, and keeping the end goal in mind is, is key um, to, to making sure that that change can take place as well. What personal habit do you believe has contributed to your professional success? You know, I'd, I'd say I'm very competitive. Um, I wake up at, uh, at 5 a.m. every day, and I'm probably not entirely proud of this, but um, before I physically get out of bed, I... I know what our key metrics are for the organization for the day previous. So we, we get that information. It comes up on my phone. I look at it, you know, probably before I get out of bed every day. Um, and, and the other piece is I, you know, I like structure, so I, I exercise regularly. Um, and um, pretty much every day that gets my day off to, a, to an energetic start, and it, allow, it has allowed me to, to, uh, to compete athletically for uh, – you know, over the last uh, three or four years. So I think all that um, really is what, uh, you know, helps drive me. Is there a book you'd recommend to aspiring finance leaders? Well, maybe two books. Uh, for enjoyment, uh, The Martian is a, uh, is a phenomenal book. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I need to do that. Um, for business, I would recommend a book um, published some time ago called It's Your Ship, and it's by uh, Michael Abershoff, Captain Michael Abershoff, um, who's the former commander of the USS Benfold, a, a Navy ship, and, and he talks through the leadership process of taking a ship that um, was essentially kind of low, lowest-ranked uh, within the U.S. Navy to being one of the highest-ranked and, and the leadership skills that were necessary to get his crew um, to to really drive that forward and, and developed a, a you know a process basically saying it's your ship um, and and I think that can apply to the business world as well as it's your company um, so I think there's some great learnings that uh, that can come out of that book for for finance leaders and all leaders. Finance thought leaders don't go anywhere. We're about to ask our finance leader guest for their business priorities over the next 12 months. But first, permit us 30 seconds to thank our sponsor. 
You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. What are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months? First, I would say continue to develop my team. You know, I, I look at my role in the organization is, is to get my team ready for whatever is next. And, and if that's expanding their career within Lawson, that's great. Or if, if they choose a, a different path, it's still my obligation. It's still my responsibility to get them ready for whatever they want to take on next. Um, and then I would say you know, supporting our overall business priorities, um, leveraging our, our business analytics team across the organization. And, um, and I would also say uh, successfully identifying an integration of, of acquisitions. We've started down this path uh, just uh, recently, and, um, and that's certainly you know, one of the key growth strategies for our organization as well, which will take a lot of, uh, a lot of finance involvement also. Ron Knudsen, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thank you, Jack. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. At CFO Thought Leader, we wanted to give you, the listener, some added clout when it comes to selecting next season's CFO guests. We call it Listener's Choice. And in the months ahead, our Listener's Choice guests will enjoy some added box office clout as we advance the CFOs you most want to hear from into next season's CFO lineup. To learn more about CFO Thought Leader's listener's choice, visit us at cfothoughtleader.com or go ahead and email me at jack at cfothoughtleader.com. Hey, one last thing. It's no secret when we originated CFO Thought Leader, it was with iPhone users in mind. Android users, we have neglected you. And so to make amends, we just released a CFO Thought Leader mobile app just for you. It's now ready for download on Google Play and Amazon Android Markets. No matter what world you're part of, thank you for listening. <laughs>